Hello and welcome to Daspel Insights' latest podcast. We're very lucky to be joined today by Andrea Warner. Um, welcome, Andrea. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, if we could just kick off by you introducing yourself to our listeners and maybe tell us about how you related to A-B testing and how you got into the industry, why it interests you, and we'll start from there. Okay, I got into testing several years ago. When I first started in online marketing, I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where I worked with uh, successful business owners and marketers all day, every day, um, for over two years. And um, as you talk to that many people, trends and themes kind of start to develop before your eyes. And I noticed two things. I noticed that the people that are the most successful and the happiest, so not just success, I mean, we're talking happy, did two things way better than everybody else. One of them was their ability to leverage their time. And so either they um, hired people to help or they outsourced, they did not try to do everything themselves. That one kind of seems like a no-brainer. But the second one was a complete mystery to me. It was this thing called conversion testing. And I'm like, what on earth is this? And um, I was fortunate enough to be able to work with a gentleman named Andy Edmonds, um, who is off the charts brilliant. And um, he taught me about it. And then he went on to be a, a fellow at eBay. And um, anyway, and so th- I found out about it. And I'm just like, I can't believe this exists, first of all, um, especially, you know, back in 2007, 2008. And, um, and then it just as it struck me, I mean, it's just such a brilliant intersection of psychology and science and yeah. data. It's just, it's so fun and so interesting. So that's what first got me interested in it. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so it sounds like you're a fan of AD testing then. I am a fan. And... So have you seen real success from it yourself personally, like in the years you've been doing it? Yes, definitely. Both for me and clients that I've worked with and uh, but subscribers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have people come up to me all the time and just say, we made a million dollars. So you, you know, yeah. your test. Because I mean, there is a movement now in A-B testing that I've, I mean, there's murmurs or loud voices, depending where you look, which blogs you read, but um, maybe A-B testing just is a bit of a buzzword and people are adopting it maybe when they're not ready for it and they've heard that they should be doing it because everyone's talking about it at conferences but um, people spend thousands of pounds on tools and don't really know what they're doing they don't have the internal setup for it or whatever Um, so what would your kind of thoughts be on that that A-B testing might just be overhyped and it's not the solution for all digital marketers in the CRO? Well, to say that CRO testing is overhyped is like saying we shouldn't have science. Right. Okay. I mean, should we have science? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, I, I kind of think so, right? Yeah. Um, to, to me, it's the same thing. Um, is it going to work perfectly for everyone in every situation? Of course not, because there's people involved, right? Uh, but if you have your analytics set up properly and you're able to track properly and you have enough traffic, why on earth wouldn't you test? Yeah, sure. So, so taking the science analogy, um, say you got a mad scientist, a mad professor who decided he wasn't going to test any of his hypotheses, he was just going to run with them. Say he thought, I don't know, combining sulfur and copper makes gold or something like that, and he decides just do it. Don't don't test this out in laboratory conditions. Let's just do it. And if it doesn't work, I'll know it's backfired. But let's try something else instantly. Well, so You've you, just described every business owner <laughs> ever. Yeah, I see. <laughs> Pretty much, Jack. Okay. So basically, there's testing is now building on the failures of others who have just randomly tried stuff. But testing is a, a decent process that is tried and tested well. Exactly. Since the beginning of science. Um, it, yeah, I mean, you can... 
I, d- I think you're better off just starting with a, a culture of testing and having mm-hmm. it be part of your the, the ethos of your company. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you get people like the person that you just described that come in and just say, hey, my wife thinks we should try this on the site. And they'll yeah. plunk up whatever. Um, it makes, you can make a good business case for testing. Uh, it just, I mean, you can show the numbers. It's so easy. And I, honestly, the industry is maturing too. I mean, people used to just, you know, be excited about button clicks and stuff like that, and yeah. and not anymore. I mean, people understand that you need to follow the the clicks all the way through the the funnel, and um, make sure that you're getting the phone calls, getting the leads, making the sales. Yeah. Um. So yeah. the industry has matured, and as the industry has matured, more people have gotten into it, and then we get the detractors because people aren't doing it right. Sure. Okay. So it, on that thread, just mentioning people that are, are doing it right, um, I've heard of a case study by agency um, Cardinal Path where they, they did um, a multivariate test on the, on YouTube's homepage and there was over a thousand variations and that really stood out to me as kind of powerful but also quite daunting testing. It's, it's I mean... The technology exists to keep track of all of that, but do the humans, like, <laughs> I mean, the key people um, or key case studies you can think of? Um... Well, yes, but maybe in a, in a different way. Um, just because we have technology, should we test a thousand variations? Mm. Most of us, no. Y- YouTube, sure. Um, but most of us probably not. Um, the way testing has been moving and is moving is towards personalization. And so rather than throwing up a thousand, you know, ABN tests, I'm going to, I I would much rather just segment into a smaller group Mm -hmm. and test, test there. So for an example that I've seen recently, um, SAP in Germany did some testing and um, they tested against their, their control homepage and they had, I think it was, I guess, 67% aggregate lift um, across segments. But what was really interesting is when you looked at the various segments um, and industry verticals, you can see that some of them did exceptionally well. Like, for example, they did um, a personalized banking homepage. So anybody that came from the banking industry was shown something that resonated really well with for, for bankers. Yeah. Um, and they had, it was a, a three-digit lift from that. Um, but um, one of the other verticals that they tested, and I won't mention which one, actually had a, a, it lost. It had uh, negative. Really? Yeah. yeah. And so they had this aggregate lift that looks great, but it's when you get down into the segments that you really see the power of this. Yeah, because that, that is another accusation that's leveled at AB testing that is basically a glorified uh, tyranny of the majority. And uh, um, so what? 51% of your users prefer well. That's not how it works. This <laughs> is you saw four percent uplift on this particular page, this new design. But who's to say that's the same for every single segment of users? So yeah, I, I agree. Segmentation is very key for, for testing. And in that spirit, as segmentation gets ever more kind of sliced and diced, and um, users become well, websites become very specific and tailored to certain users. That it seems that's kind of where the industry is headed. Um, do you think? Possibly there could be an end to A-B testing in the future. So when personalization gets really, like really sophisticated with machine learning and really intense segmentation, would segments get so small that maybe it's not worth running tests and that um, you wouldn't achieve statistical significance because your segment size is too small? There's going to be a tipping point there somewhere, isn't there? Mm-hmm. I mean, because at some point you have to have enough people to test. You have enough yeah. have to have enough people to have a valid result. And um, you're right. As we segment more and more and more, 
um, it would, you would think that personalization and A-B testing, I'm sorry, the A-B testing would be less necessary, but uh, it, at some point it's too much. Like if I land on a, a web page and it says, hey, Andrea, I noticed in your fridge that you're out of this and I, I think you should try this brand instead, you know? Um, I, for me, I would personally love that, but yeah. <laughs> but at some point, um, too much personalization is going to creep people Very out. Creepy, yeah. yeah, and so I think people are going to have to work and find that tipping point, mm -hmm. and um, where the tipping point stops, um, that's where the testing begins. And so, and, and if it were me personally, I'd rather get to a certain point and be able to A/B split test than mm -hmm. personalize all the way down to somebody's refrigerator. Sure, sure, okay. Um, so I'm going to try and get on the side of anti-AB testing here. And um, another thing I see leveled is that it's basically designers are designers for a reason. They've kind of got great experience in building stuff that users love and people love. AB testing is essentially kind of crowdsourcing web design. Um, I mean, would you agree with that? Like, In a sense, it is, yes. Um, but... I have always known that designers are not going to know what's going to resonate best with an audience. Okay. Like, for example, I mean, everybody knows that, um, that, you know, big orange buttons convert best, right? Yeah. Um, well, they don't really. Um, I've personally seen tests with um, an older demographic that they like to click on a blue hyperlink more than a, a button. Okay. And so, see. see what I'm saying? So there, yeah. there's no design involved with that. Yeah. Um, you have to think beyond design. You have to think beyond design. I've seen um, buttons with the, the buttons that were a nice size, but the text was just a, a tad too small. Mm -hmm. um, and designers didn't want to change it because their specs call for, you know, a certain number, number of pixels yeah. for padding. And I'm like, but you can't actually read the words. So, <laughs> you know. Do you think this differs uh, between verticals, though? So I, I understand what you're saying in that function should take precedence over form when it comes to pure conversion. So say for an e-commerce store or yes. something like that. But mm -hmm. say a more content-focused um, website um, and they're trying out, like, for example, the, the Next Web, the, the tech um, site, they they run so many multivariate tests and A-B tests and they're changing their design all the time. And they're strictly a content site. I mean... Should you yet let your users dictate your content, do you think, um, even if you're not trying to convert them, you're just trying to get them to engage with the site? Because surely everyone wants something different. You know, as a business owner, as a capitalist, yeah. basically, I would say absolutely not. Think about your customer and, and work your way backwards from there. It, everything should start with the customer. So I could care less if people click buttons. I could care less if they go to um, interior pages. I could care less about even if they opt in for email, if they if they aren't going to, um, you know, give me money, um, give me the lead, make the phone call, whatever the action is that I want people to take. And so I, I don't care. Now, the next web, I love those guys. Shout out to Martine. Hi, Martine. <laughs> Um, they, um, they're a publisher and so they need page views. So they're, uh, so if you think about their KPI, um, they need people to engage on the page. And so from their perspective as a publisher, it makes a ton of sense to do what the readers want more of. Um, but you also have to keep in mind that sometimes people don't know what they want until you've shown it to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a I'm rush. You, you get to the point where the first thing you do every morning when you wake up is check your stats. Have you found yourself guilty of injecting your own bias into how you interpret the results at all, or would you uh, say you're a staunch kind of? 
What's your favorite data? Um, I do love data. Yeah. I, I do love good data. Um, but at the same time, I mean, everybody sees the world through their own filters, mm-hmm. you know, so you try not to do that. But yeah. at the same time, you know, I mean, but the, the data is there. And that's one of the magical things about um, about A-B testing is that you don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to let your boss's wife dictate what, what the website yeah. should look like. I mean, you can say, well, it, here's the business case to either do that or not do that. And, um, and here's what's ahead of it. And do you think, you know, her idea should go ahead of this? And, um, and then, you know, if the answer is yes, then you can still just say, well, let's test it and see, mm-hmm. see what wins, you know? I mean, it, it sounds lovely and it's a very ideal vision, but I imagine in the real world, it's kind of getting companies to buy into that ethos is, is very difficult to start with. Um, it, like I said, the industry has matured a lot. It mm-hmm. used to be harder, but now it's becoming more just standard operating procedure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground there on the importance of A-B testing. Um, thank you very much, Andrew. For, thank you for having uh, me. Joining us. Um, and I hope you enjoyed listening.